Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by the Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, we are heading out to Central Oregon to climb none other than South Sister. That's right, Vicki. South Sister is the third tallest peak in Oregon at 10,358 feet tall and a very beautiful volcano also. Um, and a volcano that I understand you just climbed a few a few days ago um, from recording this. Um, and it seems like you survived to tell the tale. That is right. I climbed this just under a week ago now from when we were recording this podcast. And this was something that had been on my summer bucket list. Last year, my friend and I climbed Mount St. Helens. And so this year I was thinking South Sister might be something in the same realm or maybe a little bit harder. So that was the goal for the summer. And finally, my friend and I picked a date to go and do this. And the date happened to be August 17th, and we made our way out to do this kind of long day of trekking and climbing and experience some hopefully good views. That was the thought. <laughs> wow. Such an, such an ominous lead-in. Um, <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to hear all about how that experience was, what it looked like how you felt, but let's start with just the specs of this climb. Mileage, elevation gain, what are we looking at here? So if you look at any of the guides that are online, they'll tell you that this this hike is about just over 12 miles. I'm not sure who's calculating that because I clocked in <laughs> just over 14 miles. And <laughs> so that is what I have on uh, my watch and my phone. But so for me, it was a 14 mile hike and it's just about 5,000 feet of elevation gain. And like you said, at the top, you're at 10,358 feet. And depending on how fast you're going, this is a track that's going to be anywhere from eight hours long to like 10 or 11 hours long. And that just depends, obviously, on how fast you're going, how many breaks you're taking, all that good stuff. But 
basically this is kind of in the same realm of climbing St. Helens is that it's not a quote unquote technical climb. You're not needing special like ice climbing gear or anything like that. It's even less technical in my opinion than climbing St. Helens because that climb required a lot of scrambling, being on your your hands, um, kind of climbing up with using gloves. This did not have that. So as I talk about this, I'm going to compare it a lot to my experience climbing Mount St. Helens last year. A little less technical, just a little bit longer, and a bit more of elevation gain compared to climbing St. Helens. Well, so if it's not technical, you don't need to bring specialized gear, all of that. Um, what, what do you need to bring? What, what was your preparation like before scaling South sister? 100% definitely bring checking poles. Um, if you don't have them, you can rent them at gear shops, but the hardest part of this climb is going through kind of like that volcanic cinder type of rocky dust. (laughs) And so, the trekking poles are really helpful to keep you like where you are and ke- help keep your momentum going when you're going what it feels like straight uphill. And then also, I would say if you're starting as early as uh, what I did, which is in the dark, you're going to need a headlamp. And then I also brought gaiters along with me, which is kind of just that covering that goes over your boots or your hiking shoes. And again, in that really dusty, sandy area, um, that's going to prevent any of those small, tiny rocks from getting in your shoes. You don't want to be uncomfortable when you're hiking this (laughs) for 14 miles. So that was really key. I didn't have like a single pebble in my shoe and my feet were very happy. (laughs) And then in addition to that, you want to bring your hiking pack. You want to bring a lot of food, snacks, a lot of water maybe some electrolytes. I bring a Gatorade as well, but something to keep you powered through, not just eating once you get to the top or a certain area, but kind of fueling yourself throughout this hike slash climb. Other than that, always packing extra layers and a rain shell because weather can change while you are doing this climb and having those prepared layers will keep you dry and happy and in good spirits throughout this whole thing. So you got your 10 essentials, you got your gaiters, your trekking poles, your headlamp, all your water and food. You're setting off, like you said, in the dark. So I guess maybe take us through this hike starting out there when you're in the morning. So my friend Sydney and I, who I've mentioned many times on this podcast, we we drove to Bend the night before. We drove from Portland to Bend and just got a few hours of sleep in Bend um, and then ended up waking up at like around 3 a.m., drove to our trailhead got there, started at 4.15 a.m. So yeah, very dark out. We get to the parking lot. There's like two other cars. And of course, Sydney decides to read all trails reviews like right before we start. And someone has written that they saw a cougar in the middle of the night that was just staring at them. So (laughs) we start on this trail and we're just trying to like make ourselves known because there's no other people there that are going to be bothered by this noise. So we're just like making noise, talking loudly, trying to (laughs) use our best techniques for deterring cougars. But essentially, so you start on on the trail and right off the bat, you're, you're, you're getting a lot of elevation. I would say around the first mile and a half, two miles, you are really going 
uphill. And I, within those two miles, you gain about a thousand feet of elevation. So you're feeling it in your legs right from the beginning. And it's also something that when you're in the dark, you just don't even realize like how far you're going because there's nothing to really like look at. Throughout these first two miles, you're in the woods. So there's not much of a view right at the start. But after you get through those first two miles, you come out to this sandy plateau area. And it's a nice kind of long break of just flat, sandy area. And so you're walking and you get out of the forest And what's nice is you have an incredible view of the mountain you're about to climb. So you see South Sister right in front of you. And it's kind of this intimidating view of what you are about to climb. And it's like unbelievable when you just look at it from the bottom. But then you also have great views of Broken Top. And um, at this point, you also get an awesome view of Moraine Lake, which is something it's an area where you can camp as well. A lot of people who climb South Sister will camp at Moraine Lake the night before. So this was like the best part because the sun was starting to come over the horizon, get a little bit of light out, see some awesome views after like kind of sweating a lot for the first two-ish miles. After this nice sandy flat area, you're reminded that you are in fact climbing a mountain. So (laughs) the ascent truly begins at this point. Um, It's kind of rocky area. At this point, I definitely have my trekking poles out and it's kind of like step by step, just getting there. So several miles up this part. And I would say the morale starts to get a little bit tricky here because You know, you have this nice flat area that you just accomplished. And at this point, you're like, okay, we have several more miles to go. We need to drink a lot more water, keep up the energy and just keep pacing on. And then at this point, I know that there is a view coming up because I've done my research and I know that there's a really picturesque lake that's coming up at the base of a glacier. And so that's like my... The one thing that's keeping me going this whole time is like, I know there's something really pretty up here. uh, And I know that there's like crystal blue water that I'm Mm -hmm. about to see. And so Sydney and I are just talking about that the whole time. And eventually we make it. At this point, it was quite cloudy in the day and starts to drizzle a little bit, which was not something expected. (laughs) But we take some time at the lake to eat some snacks, kind of take some pictures, just relax a little bit and kind of recoup. And that part was really nice. That was one of my favorite parts of this entire trek. Then after you get to this Lewis Glacier area and the small lake. From here is like the real mentally challenging and physically challenging part. This is like basically the same deal as climbing St. Helens through the rocky ash part right to the top. It's the same deal, except it's like this this cinder rock. So it's like red. And a lot of people refer to this as the red mile um, going from the small lake up to the false summit. At this point, my friend Sydney was unwell. She, The elevation, I think, had gotten to her. She was not feeling good. So she decided to stay at the lake as I made my way up to the summit. Kind of freaky because I was the only person doing it. No other people had gotten there yet. So I was completely alone. <laughs> I don't advise this. <laughs> don't listen to me. <laughs> but anyway, I'm trekking up and it's 
the slowest part of this uh, ascent up because it's so rocky and ashy, like I said before, that you're kind of every t- every step you take, you kind of like sink a little bit into the rock um, and sand. And so it's literally just step by step. It's nice to turn around and kind of have that view down at the lake. But again, it was kind of a smoky day, a little bit cloudy, not what I had seen in pictures. So not exactly the blue skies that I had imagined throughout the, <laughs> throughout my preparation. But keep trekking up through the sand and the ash, just step by step using those poles. I swear I kept looking at the map in my phone a million times <laughs> to see how far I would go. <laughs> And it was never that far. It was. Just, mm-hmm. It took a very long time to get from the lake up to the summit. Finally, you get up there. And even though it was cloudy and it was smoky, you could still get a sense of how far you had come at this point. You get to the summit. It was so incredibly beautiful. I don't care if I was looking out straight at smoky clouds and ash, you could still tell uh, (laughs) that there were great views there. And what's really cool is when you get to this false summit part, you see this little pool at the very top, um, which is called Teardrop Pool. And it is Oregon's highest lake. And so you get to the top and unlike Mount St. Helens, there's no huge crater in the middle that you could potentially fall down. It's just this little teardrop pool but as i mentioned this is the false summit so there's actually like once you get to the top there's a little loop at the top and if you go 0.4 miles just a little bit further a tiny bit more of climbing you get to the actual summit again if you don't feel like going to the actual summit the false summit is fine enough you get incredible (laughs) views regardless unfortunately for me at the very top it starts to rain the hardest at this point and you know, going into this, Sydney and I were like, you know, the weather is saying it's not supposed to rain. So let's do it. If it gets bad, we'll turn around and go back. Of course, for me, there was no turning around and going back <laughs> until you get to the very top. And you're like, well, I have to turn around and go back anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm by myself at the top of this mountain. I'm like, you know, not as fun when you're by yourself. It's still really beautiful, but I'd like to share this moment with someone. So um, I'm basically at the top trying not to get pelted with rain. I've like secured a spot where I'm not going to fall or anything. There's rocks all around me. I'm like quickly eating this turkey sandwich at the top, but it's not enjoyable. It's getting soggy. Uh, I have some other chips out and stuff. And like from the true summit, you can look out and see a ton of different peaks that are like really close by, even on this cloudy, smoky day. It's incredible. You can see Mount Washington, Mount Jefferson, Mount Hood, St. Helens. And then if you go to the south, you can see Diamond Peak. And in my head, I'm just like, this is beautiful, even in the smoke and the rain. But I can't imagine how Mm. picturesque this view would be in a clear, non-smoky day. So alluding to the fact that I would like to go back at some point, but... Once I was at the top, I go and do the full loop around the summit area. At this point, it's raining. Again, I don't advise this. It was slippery at this point. Don't do this if it's (laughs) raining or if there's clouds in the sky. Anyway, and then eventually I make my way down, reconnect with my friend. And finally, we see other people coming up the mountain 
which was nice to see some friendly faces <laughs> after all of that. And I think that they lucked out because it was just like an isolated cloud that was over the, the mountain and they probably had a drier experience. Yeah, than it, was, I did. it was just for you. It was just for yeah. me. Yes. <laughs> the cloud was just following me. Well, that it's interesting. That speaks to like these experiences we have. We have these ideas, expectations of what it's going to be like, but we have the, like, you, you have this single rain cloud, right? That's just that, but it's, it doesn't mean, it doesn't like, you know, mean that your experience wasn't good or, you know, that it was a bad time. As you're saying, it was still beautiful. It was maybe a little bit more rugged than you expected, but it sounds like you still had a really good experience and really important experience. Yes. And also that just goes into preparedness. Mm -hmm. I think too, that I had extra layers and that I wasn't, you know, it could have been a lot colder maybe in a different time of the year, but Thank goodness there was no snow or anything like that at the top. So overall, it was an amazing experience. And uh, I think especially with those more adverse conditions, that is very stuck in my head for mm-hmm. a good a good period of time. But I really enjoyed this trek. Like when I finished St. Helens, and you can listen to me on the last podcast last year, I was in pain after I finished. <laughs> yep. And I think that is mostly attributed to the fact that that scramble area when you're going up, that was fine for me. But coming down, it was a lot of impact on my knees, just like boom, 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 coming down onto like rocks. Whereas your descent on South Sister is that more sandy ash. So There were a few times where I was like sliding backwards and I kind of like fell, but it was less impact. So it was much easier on my knees and kind of just like almost like skiing through ash going down. But my, my body felt great after I had finished this. I think I had hydrated enough the night before and like fueled properly to the point where I was able to just enjoy it rather than worrying about how my body was feeling like physically. I was able to kind of just take it all in and fully experience it. Again, like you said, speaks to that preparation, you know, making sure you're properly hydrated, you got your snacks, you're, you know, I love that. I love that you, you like you just said, you can feel good afterward, you know, yeah. instead of feeling like, oh my God, that was such a challenge. I'm going to need like three <laughs> days to to recover from this. Yes. But yeah, don't get me wrong. I was still very sore, uh, I think, afterwards and just like physically tired. But it was nice to just not feel ill. <laughs> That's always the goal, you know? Well, how how do you decompress after a big climb like this? What's your, your go-to strategy? So I think... For me, as well as many people, one thing that's always on the mind as I'm doing the climb and the descent is like, what meal am I getting (laughs) after this? You know, I have worked so hard. I deserve to treat myself. So Sydney and I, afterwards, we went to Deschutes Brewery and there is a food cart there called Willy Burger. We got some great smash burgers as we just like sat with our legs up and laughed about the whole situation, kind of just taking that moment to decompress and be like, wow, we really just uh, climbed thousands of feet up this up this mountain. And I feel like her and I, it, our friendship is constantly doing stuff like this. So we're just like, why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun though. We love it. 
I mean, to be able to sit there at the shoots and look up, I can't, can't, can't remember if you can see the mountain from there, but you can see South Sister from that area and they go like, I climbed to the top of that thing. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a pretty yeah, cool even, experience. And that's, I think that's why a lot of people do these kinds of climbs, you know? Exactly. I will say one other pro tip, pack bug spray. Oh, yeah. Because the mosquitoes are terrible during this climb to the point that on the way down, I still had like my jacket on. On the way up, I was kind of getting bites through my long sleeve shirt. Once I had my jacket on, the mosquitoes then attacked my legs, even though I was wearing pants. Uh, they still got through that. So if you would like to save yourself from 25 mosquito bites, I would highly recommend bringing bug spray. And that will make the ride back home much comfier. 12 out of 10 recommend the bug spray. Yeah, that's something I, I feel like I didn't really know until I started doing you know, these higher elevation trips in this part of the country of like the, the mosquitoes hatch out of the snow when the snow melts every year. And so if you're going mm -hmm. anywhere in the, in the mountains this time of year, they're going to be there. And I don't know if there's like something about the, like the, the way they are about their genetics, but it seems like that they're always more like voracious than lowland mosquitoes. Like they like are stronger somehow. Like they're, so buff and they can get through whatever you have on it's crazy it is insane and i thought yeah i really thought i was safe by having long sleeves and long pants on you're not safe, <laughs> you're not safe. <laughs> but it makes you get to your car a whole lot faster uh -huh, i'll tell you that no <laughs> well i know you alluded to this earlier but it sounds like you're thinking about maybe going back and trying it again i would definitely love to try it again i feel like by seeing it in probably more so like the worst on this on the spectrum of worser conditions weather wise, I would love to be able to go back. Uh, hopefully not in wildfire season, mm -hmm. and see some blue skies, see the other surrounding mountains from the summit a little bit more clearly. And um, I know a lot of people even like backpack this. Uh, I'm not sure if I would want to sleep at the summit, but. I think it would be a cool backpacking trip as well and maybe like an added challenge to this. But I found this hike to be really climb, I would say. Mm -hmm. Found this climb to be very enjoyable and I almost recommend this more as your starting out first mountaineering experience rather than St. Helens. St. Helens was very physically challenging, I think more so. As long as you are under the understanding for South Sister that it's going to be closer to 14 miles and you're in that headspace, I think this is a bit easier on the body and like the payoff is a bit better for me view-wise. But that is my opinion if we're comparing the two, which you don't have to compare the two. <laughs> it can be great on their own. <laughs> well, you've done St. Helens. You've done South Sister. Um, I've got to imagine there's another peak that you have your eye on at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to be that person who's like, I'm bagging peaks every <laughs> year. <laughs> but, but like, maybe I'm becoming that person. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I did have a very dear friend reach out and say that she really wants to climb Mount Hood next year. Mm. And I, to myself, I'm just thinking like, that seems so impossible to me. That seems like a pipe dream way. Like I need to do other things to lead up to that. 
but who knows? I think maybe I'm I'm capable. We'll see. <laughs> it sounds really scary in my head, though, and obviously some more technical skill is required for that that I would need to prep for. But I have a whole another a little bit less than a year, but That's right. still some time to figure that out. You know, obviously people offer classes for that. Mazama's has a great program people take. Yeah, um, I was looking at that. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to know that there's options and support uh, and you don't have to just do it randomly and by yourself. <laughs> but I, I love I love the story of this climb. I love that you even had this kind of crazy experience at the top. I mean, it's kind of humbling to, to go up there and know that like, you know, it's not just always blue skies on the tops of the mountains, that there is, there, there are isolated storms, there's, it can be wind, it can be smoke, there can be mosquitoes, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, it's easy to look on Instagram and see pictures and be like, oh, so beautiful, so pretty, I can do that. Um, but like, it's not always like that. These these are rugged, wild environments. And I, I'm like, part of me is really sorry that you had that experience that you had at the top, but part of me is like, nice, all right, good for you. <laughs> Yes. And if you're listening to this and you're potentially wanting to climb South Sister, although I I think honestly, maybe the clouds kind of helped because I wasn't getting overheated, but know that most of this trail is very exposed. So sunscreen is another thing you should bring, hats, sunglasses, all that UV protection is awesome. Also, if you are wanting to climb South Sister, know that you'll need two passes, parking pass. So whether that is you know, I just use my uh, National Parks Pass, but you can use a Northwest Forest Pass, I believe. And then you'll also need a permit for this trailhead, which we you can acquire through recreation.gov. Know that if you're trying to do this on a weekend, those permits are snatched up very quickly. Currently, you can get a permit way ahead in advance. I'm not sure how many months, but if you're looking to do this a little bit more closer to your actual climb date, you can go on right at 7 a.m. 10 days before your climb and try to get that permit. And then again, two days before you can also try. But again, there's limited numbers. So some luck goes into it. I'm logging on right as the clock strikes 7 a.m. to click the button to get these. So I, I have seen through the trail reviews that there are often rangers checking for your permits. So don't get fined, have your permit and be nice and prepped for this climb. Yeah, definitely make sure to get those permits. They are required on South Sister from June 15 to October 15, it looks like. So outside that, you don't need a permit, but also outside that, don't climb South Sister probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's really your window you're looking at, unless you're trying to do some serious crazy snow stuff and you have a lot of experience and technical skill just don't do that um exactly vicky thanks for for sharing that story what a cool one um any other words of wisdom you want to share before we uh, uh let folks uh go here drink your water and wear your sunscreen and eat properly that's right. and you'll have a great time <laughs> words for climbing south sister words for day-to-day -day life um yeah. i love it <laughs> Well, folks, until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel, as well as HereIsOregon.com. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast, as well as our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. 
Also, if you're a fan of the show and you're interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at Oregonian.com. This episode of the show is produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.